Welcome back to Tailgates and Turnovers, everybody. This has been an interesting week, too, to say the least. And we are we're recording very early Sunday morning to get this to you on Sunday. So uh, with me tonight is Bennett. How's it going? Yeah, man? it's good, man. Today was a total shit show. I know we talked a little bit about this being an off week, but it was exactly the opposite. We, we might be shaping up for 2007 2.0. If, there, if if this keeps up the way it's going, there were a lot of shakeups this week, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this affects the rest of the season going forward. Because some things we thought we knew about these teams, we might not know a damn. Thing. So that's yeah. that's to say the least. It's a total toss up right yeah. now. Yeah, it was pretty nuts. So I mean, you know, without further ado, let's just jump right into it. Obviously, our Friday night game, Louisville. Pulled off the upset win against UCF, twenty to fourteen, and you know this was one when we did the pick and pot, and even when we did our preview episode, I kind of had a feeling that Louisville would respond to the way that last week shook out, and you know that did end up bearing out. Um, it was a good game; like they, neither team was particularly efficient on offense. It was uh, definitely a defensive battle for the for most of the game. Yeah, my uh, my my baby boy John Reese Plumley, he looked pretty inaccurate. Yeah. So, so did so did Malik Cunningham. Um, yeah, Cunningham but, didn't look great. Definitely better than what he did the week before, though. No, but I still think at some point this year he's going to become the all-time uh, touchdown leader for Louisville. Yeah, and uh, but <laughs> they shouldn't compare to Lamar, and Lamar played like twenty games less and is still ahead of him. Right. So. Yeah, not not exactly the same uh, caliber player we're dealing with there, but they did manage to bounce back in their 500 on the season, so you know, good for them. Um, number three, Ohio State, they took care of business against Arkansas State. Uh, final score of 45 to 12. So Arkansas State put up more points against Ohio State than Notre Dame did. Um, we'll talk about Notre Dame here in a little bit, but uh, yeah, I mean that's about what you would expect from a top five team hosting a not good team. Yeah, a little bit of a hate fuck game after yeah. everyone expected the uh, the offense to be great last week. So yeah, definitely put it, it on there. Uh, next up, uh, Kansas State beat the piss out of Mizzou, uh, forty to twelve. And um, did did you watch any of this? I did not. No. Uh, so this was when I was flipping back and forth, and it was pouring in Manhattan. Like oh, they really? had to de- they had to delay the game for like ninety minutes because it was raining so bad. Damn. Um. Once again, Deuce Vaughn is, you know, going he, off. He, he's on the dude's list. Um, he he had like 150 yards and two touchdowns. But also, once again, Adrian Martinez threw for less than 100 yards. So that's something I'm really – but Mizzou's not good. It's, it's going to come down to who's the worst in the uh, SEC East between them, South Carolina, and, and Vandy, as crazy as that sounds. Yeah, it's kind of a race to the bottom there in the SEC East. But, you know, a lot of – obviously the Vegas spread was a little closer than what this ended up being. So I think there were quite a few people that didn't know exactly what to make of either team. And I think Kansas State and Deuce Vaughn being that dude of at least kind of showed what their floor is. Yeah, and uh, I I will say the the defense for um, Kansas State looked very good. Like they were flying around to the ball. Yeah. So I I think they'll probably – they might be ranked next week. We'll yeah, big, yeah, Big Twelve shaping up to be pretty fun. I mean, we kind of thought it would be, but uh, we got a, we got some pretty good ball teams in the Big Twelve here. Next up, we've got UTSA, who who beat the troops. Unfortunately, they did pull it off in overtime, forty-one to thirty-eight over Army. High-scoring game. Yeah, and uh, I know some people were hating on the troops on the pick'em pod and going the under there, so. It's nice to see when the uh, the Rangers lead the way. So, but UCSA, I mean, good for them for scheduling the way they did this year after last week and this week too. It's good to see that. Yeah, they had a tough they had a tough two weeks to start the season off, and you know, I think well, you took the over for our pick them, right? Yeah, and I mean, I I, I crushed it. It yeah, was cruised. Uh, um, it was at fifty six, and that's uh, that's seventy nine. Seventy nine. Yeah. So yeah. had that pretty easy. handily. Yeah. Um, next up, North Carolina handled Georgia State, uh, 35-28. Definitely not as 
anxiety inducing for Tar Heel fans as what last week was for them. I mean, they got to get a breather at some point, right? They got it there, though. I think it was 28 to 7 at the half. So, yeah. I mean, once again, that defense and I mean, Drake May looked really good again. Yeah, and, May is looking very good for North Carolina. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe not this year, but in the coming years, maybe some, some Heisman hope from him. I could see that. I'm not even sure if UNC has ever had a Heisman winner. I can't think of one off the top of my head. I can't either. But, I mean, yeah, that defense that defense is still an issue, though. I mean, like, you know, it was Georgia State this time, but it's going to – and they're going to end up playing good teams in the ACC or at least good offenses, and they're going to – it's going to be just more gunfights. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, the next game was Wake Forest and Vandy. And Sam Hartman had a pretty promising return to the field here. Uh, the final score was 45 to 25 and Hartman threw for 300 yards and four touchdowns. So, I mean, you can't really ask for much more than that out of, out of Hartman coming back. Yeah, no, he, I, the, the couple minutes I did see of it, I mean, he looked really good. And uh, this, I know I sold my Vandy stock. This is probably it, man. Like, Mike Wright got benched after having a couple of really good weeks, and the guy that came in for him didn't look that good either. So they, they still might hit that under. It was three and a half, and all of a sudden we were all on it. But yeah, I, I think it's probably done. Yeah. Um, might be time to just completely cash out of that Vandy stock, unfortunately. Um, yeah. Promising first two weeks there, but they're about to hit conference play, and it's it ain't looking – all too good on that over for the win total. Yeah, not at all. No. And then uh, your Michigan State Spartans crushed Akron today, uh, 52 to nothing. How are you feeling about that one? Uh, good. It was actually not very good, to be honest. And it's crazy to say that coming off a 52 to nothing win, which was their largest win since 1957. Wow. Peyton Thorne didn't look very good. Um, Jaden Reed had to leave the game so he's up in the air uh the good thing i would say is they've got a trio of running backs that all looked good they had 300 yards on the ground but wow. it's it's and they forced four, uh, four turnovers too which i wasn't expecting but it's not looking very hopeful that they're so shaky and it's looking like they're a pass per a pass first offense especially when they got to go on the road to washington next week and go to seattle yeah. so I'm, I'm starting to get scared yeah, Basically. I mean, yeah, you guys are getting into the meteor schedule here, so it's definitely the time where, uh, you know, you're starting to see some actual tests coming for some of these teams. But a 52 nothing win, I mean, like you said, largest win since 1957 for them. So, I mean, definitely, at least for, for today, you can put those fears aside and just enjoy the fact that you put it on when you were supposed to. Exactly. Yep. Next up, uh, Virginia – got their shit kicked in by Illinois who is bouncing back. I don't know what to make of Illinois. Uh, by the way, 57 was a national championship year for Michigan state. <laughs> so, That's a good sign. Yeah. I'll, I'll roll with it. <laughs> but on the note, this was the rat line we were talking about where Illinois was favored by four. Yeah. And we were talking about Brent Armstrong and uh, basically he sucked. He did and, not look good. No. And I, I don't get it after last week, Illinois, and then uh, the week before that, too. I mean, odd, I, I, I guess odd. it all comes down to if Chase Brown can get yards or not. Yeah. Odd week, Illinois. Yeah. That's the narrative so far. Gosh, darn it. Yeah. I hope they stay sucking. Like, I, I don't like them too much, and I, I'd like them to stay where they are just for uh, not, not the rest Biel- of the Big Ten. Not a Bielema guy? <laughs> He's fine. I, 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 a lot of people didn't like him when he was at uh, Arkansas. I, I didn't dislike him when he was there. Yeah. But, it's yeah, it's tough to tell what this Illinois team is going to be besides just completely centered around Chase Chase Brown. Like, Virginia, I thought, was at least going to be able to make it competitive. But Illinois just did not give them a chance to. So, going to be interesting to see what Illinois does once conference play rolls around because I think there's some pretty vulnerable teams in the Big Ten West that they could take advantage of. Yeah, absolutely. And like we always say, Big Ten West is up for grabs, especially after this week. Yeah, especially after this week. Um, next up, number 16, NC State had a nice bounce back week. They beat Charleston Southern 55-3. to Not a ton to say about that when they handled their business and they're able to kind of right the ship after 
what last week was against Eastern Carolina. So they're they're two and zero now, and the, this one was not a nail biter for them. Yeah, and they got I don't remember their schedule exactly, but they got Wake coming up in a couple weeks, so they're they're going to get busy real quick. Yep. But Devin Devin Weary looked a lot better. Yeah. I know it's Charleston Southern, but the and the defense is obviously holding their own. Yeah, sometimes you just need to you know shake the rust off in week one. We'll see what how it affects them going forward. Um, next up, number two Georgia Bulldogs. They beat Sanford thirty three to nothing. Uh, it is their ninth shutout win since twenty sixteen, which leads the FBS. Uh, you know, I don't think we need you guys need us to tell you, but the Georgia defense is really good. Um, yeah. They didn't lose a step, which I was kind of worried just with with all the defensive talent they had getting drafted. Obviously, they have been recruiting very well, and they've been able to reload that talent. But, you know, you're still missing out on that experience. And so it, it was a slight question on whether or not they'd be able to just pick right back up where they left off. And these first two weeks, they haven't skipped a beat. Yeah, they looked really good. And obviously, they, they pummeled them last week. But then all of a sudden, Bo Nix goes out and throws five touchdowns today. I, yeah. I don't. It's just such a mess. Maybe Georgia's just that right good. Now. Georgia might just be that fucking good. I yeah, and I mean after today, I'm I'm sure we're going to be ranking them number one next week. I hopefully everybody I, is. I mean, we'll talk about we'll talk about what happened with the previous number one or yeah, sorry, and, current number one. I should say. I'm not sure if that was because they're not number one potential or if the uh, the other team they played is just better than we thought. Yeah, definitely some questions to ask. So uh, we'll talk about that here in a second. But uh, next up, we had Kansas pulling off the upset against West Virginia. Uh, another high-scoring game for the Mountaineers. So, um, so yeah, West Virginia, I think we can expect to be putting up some points this year. So keep an eye on the overs for that for any West Virginia games going forward. But Kansas won 55-42. to um, Yeah, shout-out to Kansas, man. Like, good on them. Rock chop. You know, the – yeah, I don't know. Uh, so they won in overtime. Was it like a pick six situation? I think so, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, that was Daniels' only pick of the game. That sucks it was in overtime. But the uh, the other Daniels, Jalen Daniels, looked pretty good all day. And yeah, I mean, probably- it, was, it was a good game overall. Obviously, it got to overtime, so it had to have been a good, you know, game during regulation. But – Having it happen on a pick, getting a pick six in overtime in college is just brutal because you're starting on your opponent's 25 yard line. Like letting someone get a pick six on you like that, that's just got to be a big, big morale killer there. Yeah. And obviously, Kansas is going to flow through Jalen Daniels and whatever he can do is how they're going to win any games. But I mean, after this, I mean, Neil Brown, <laughs> you got a couple more games and then if you don't figure it out, you're out of town. Yeah. But yeah, those are just a few of the uh, the lower impact games. Uh, just some easy wins for some of the top twenty five teams, and you know a couple closer games that were just a little fun to watch there. But getting into some of the games with big impact here. Uh, first up, we've got number twelve Arkansas beating the South Carolina Gamecocks forty to thirty four. Um, yeah, they went in, they handled them. Uh, still got a lot of questions about South Carolina's offensive line after this game, even. Yeah, and even more questions about Spencer Rattler. Yep. Um, I, I'm just not sold, especially after today. Um, but, I mean, straightforward, yeah, it was the offensive line. Uh, South Carolina could not run the ball at all. And then Arkansas was able just to do whatever they wanted running the ball. They had 300 yards on the ground. Yeah, Pittman's got that team rolling. Honestly, I'm I'm excited to see what they do for the rest of the season. I don't think they're gonna be, I don't think they're gonna win the West necessarily. But after today, it might be a little closer than we thought it would be in that in that division. So we're gonna have to see about that. They they showed a stat during the game showing KJ Jefferson and Raheem Sanders, the uh, quarterback, running back, and their combined weight was 480 pounds. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, they they just they're they're just gonna ground and pound the ball until they can't anymore. And and when Jefferson did throw the ball, I mean he he hit his guys. He was eighteen for twenty one. Yeah, no, so. I mean Jefferson he had a good week last week against Cincinnati. He had another good week this week. I mean he's he's rolling right now. Don't know if it's like you know Heisman stats or anything like that, but he's definitely he's definitely playing very well so far for him. Yes, absolutely. And I, I, he was one that was recruited by Georgia and Alabama. So mm-hmm. I mean everybody wanted him. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's just once Pittman went up there, he brought him with him, kind of. <laughs> yep. So, all right. I guess we got to talk about these two games now. Um, first one we're going to talk about is Alabama, Texas. That game was a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. We were all so wrong. Texas. We were yeah. so wrong. And, uh, it could have gone a lot different, but the way the Texas defense was able to stick with Alabama's offense was yeah. really, really eye-opening for me. Surprising. Uh, for, for both sides. Yeah. And really, Texas. I mean, it, it came down. And Bryce Young, I mean, he was hit in the backfield and was able to scramble at the end to get down for a field goal to win the game. Yeah. I mean, they had a whiffed sack there that would have taken them out of field goal range possibly, but – you know, the, the Texas secondary did a great job in hanging with those Alabama receivers. And honestly, Texas's offensive skill weapons, those wide receivers and, and B. John Robinson and the running backs there, they were open a lot. Like, yeah. there were holes in that defense that they were exploiting. And and much like Deuce Vaughn, I'm, I'm ready to add Xavier Worthy to the dudes list. And oh. B. John. Yeah, I mean, they looked awesome. Both dudes there, for sure. And... uh you know, Alabama, so they had 15 penalties committed in this game, which is the most in Nick Saban's tenure at Alabama. So um, just insane lack of discipline today that you just don't usually see from this football team. Yeah, and he handled it fairly well for Saban when he was in the exit interview. But, I mean, that, that place was rocking. Uh, and, um, oh, yeah. There, there was one drive where there was like three uh, false starts in a row for them. Just and from the so, noise, yeah. Yeah, that, that adds up. I don't I don't like how every single Texas kid in the stands wears that fucking burnt orange button down. Yeah, it's a little weird. Like, I mean, I, I you know, in, in the South, we typically, it's like polo and shorts and stuff, but right. they're, they're all wearing that button down, and they were showing the field heat. It was like 115 That's, degrees. It's got to be miserable wearing that thing there, because those don't look thin either, those, those button downs. No, they, they look like they're almost not a full flannel, but like, yeah, that like that type of material. Yeah, that that heavy cotton that is just hot as shit. Yeah, but like like we said, uh, the Bama offensive line didn't look good. Besides Tyler Steen, who we've talked about, transferred in from Vanderbilt. But it, I mean, it it was eye opening their receivers today. Yeah, um, a lot of drops. Yeah, and I mean, like if Jermaine Burton was supposed to be the guy, he's not because nope. Jameer Gibbs. The other, I mean, their running back was their top catch getter, and I mean, yeah, he Gibbs, he he carried the way as far as catching the ball. Gibbs looked good. They couldn't really even get a ground game going until you know Bryce Young was able to get some stuff done on his legs. Like Bama looked very beatable today, and I'm sure Saban's going to get some shit figured out. But that might, I mean, who knows? That might have been the team's best shot to beat Bama this year until until they get to Atlanta playing Georgia. Like it's, I just, I don't know, man, they had it and Sark just called a coward's game by taking some of those field goals when he should have gone for it. Like I get that the defense should have gotten a stop on young on that last drive there, but man, I get taking the points. Like there, there's a time and place for it, but at some point you've got the momentum and you have got to take some shots and try to put that game away. Well, and their kicker missed like a 20-yard field goal right before half. Right. Whenever that happens, you're just like, oh, man, it's going to come back and fuck them somehow. And, of course, it did. And, obviously, Ewers going down. When he was in, I mean, like, he was throwing the shit out of the ball. He was humming. Like, that. he looked very good. Yeah. And I, I, I was comparing him earlier to Matt Stafford, just the arm strength and everything. And once you saw Hudson Card go in, I mean, those balls were floaters compared to what Ewers was able to do. Yeah, definitely does not have the same sip on the ball that Ewers does. And, you know, Ewers is just making that look really natural, too. And I know he got x-rays once he got back to the locker room, and he immediately was just out for the rest of the game. So hopefully it's nothing serious. I haven't heard one way or the other if that ended up being a serious injury. But if he's able to get back healthy, Texas, Texas might surprise some people, and myself included. I was pretty down on Texas going in. To the season, but damn, they look good. Yeah, I'm hoping it's not a broken collarbone because I, I want to see him play more after today. Yeah, I'm excited to see what he can do down there. Yeah, but uh, they might lose next week to UTEP. 
<laughs> they, they, they might. I've, big emotional letdown games after after those kind of matchups, which uh, unfortunately brings us to the next game. Uh, yeah, Notre Dame lost. Number eight ranked in our poll, Notre Dame, lost to Marshall at home. Final score, 26-21. And I think it's safe to say the honeymoon period with Marcus Freeman is over. Um you know, you definitely had some leeway with the Fiesta Bowl with Oklahoma State, like very first game, programs kind of still in in limbo there. So it's understandable. And then obviously week one going to the horseshoe and lose, barely losing by double digits. I mean, it, it, you know, you had some wiggle room to justify how you're starting with 0-2. Now you're 0-3 with a, a loss to Marshall in your home opener. And you are... The first Notre Dame head coach to start off 0-3 in your tenure. Like, that's tough. And it didn't look like they did not look good. The offensive line just got bullied all day by Marshall. Like, last week against Ohio State, you know, it's kind of understandable. But you're playing fucking Marshall. Like, this should not be an issue for an offensive line that with a university who is known for putting out NFL-caliber offensive line. Is was uh what's his name back the guard Patterson? Yeah, he was back. Didn't help a whole lot, honestly. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough look. They got they got to shuffle some guys around. They've got they've got to figure something out because that offensive line is going to cause problems for the rest of the offense. If they can't even run the ball, which they were not able to effectively do for most of the game, that puts the whole offense in jeopardy. And the play calling wasn't any better. Like. Tommy Reese, I was I defended Tommy Reese coming into the season, and I thought last season or last week they they played a ball control type of game, like it was what Marcus Freeman and Tommy Reese wanted to do. This week, I'm pretty sure Marcus Freeman wanted to open it up, and they looked bad. Like just everything looked sloppy, and you know they don't have the dudes on the outside, they don't have the wide receivers to be good, but they have wide receivers to beat Marshall, or they should. So everything's just in flux right now. Like, I don't know. I th- Marcus Freeman's job is obviously safe right now, unless they just finish. If they go like four and eight or something like that, that's one thing. But first year head coach is obviously going to have a little bit of wiggle room here. But Tommy Reese needs to get his shit figured out soon, or else he's going to be out the door by the end of the season. Yeah. And uh, I, I think, like you said, with wide receivers, they're really missing like that. Claypool or that that Michael Floyd or that Golden Tate or just somebody that can catch some balls. Well, like, yeah, and so they had last year Kevin Austin declared for the draft, ended up going undrafted, and I'm not even sure if he's on an NFL roster right now. So obviously that might have been a mistake on his part to declare, but he would have been much needed in this wide receiver room. And then obviously Avery Davis tore his ACL like a week before the Ohio State game. So – you know, missing those two guys when those those two would have made a world of difference in that receiver room. So right now, I mean, they don't have anybody that is established as a wide receiver. Yeah, he's on the Jags right now, but he's not even on the death chart. Yeah, so, so he might he might just be practice, practice squad. squad. That's what I, that he probably is, but. Yeah. You know, so obviously Tyler Buckner doesn't have anybody to throw to, but even when like he didn't look good either today. Like he was able to move the ball with his feet, but he did not look efficient as a passer. Obviously, he threw that pick six at the end of the game, which, you know, like pick sixes obviously look bad, but those are things that are just kind of like unless he's throwing a pick a game or something like that, that's something that you need to kind of excuse for a quarterback making what is now his second start in three seasons or in three years. So like those things are going to happen, but even besides the pick six, he just didn't look good at all this week outside of when he was moving with his feet, when he was running the ball, basically. And that's just not, that's not a formula Notre Dame has, is able to do to win big games. Yeah. And once again, I mean, obviously Michael Mayer's my, you know, obviously mayor. Yeah. I know I keep getting that wrong every time, but obviously, (laughs) I mean, he's a great tight end, but you can't rely on him to run your offense. He can't be the only thing that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and then Buckner gets hurt which from what some of the Notre Dame beat writers were saying from the post-game interview, it sounds serious, which is not good. Sounds significant was the wording that I think either Tom Lawyer or Pete Sampson used. 
which means that it's going to either be Drew Pine or Steve Angeli. And Drew Pine promptly threw another interception when he came in after Buckner went down. So, God, I, I'm worried. You still buying the over? No, not right now. Not right now. They, I need to see something that's going to make me re-believe in that because as of right now, that offense is just in shambles. And, you know, the defense didn't look great in times, but when your offense is not able to really get anything moving and they're just out on the field all the time gassed, then they're going to eventually give stuff up. So it's just it's hard to judge the defense a whole lot because, you know, seven of those points came off of a pick six. And, you know, you had other turnovers that were leading to short fields. And, and it's just – it's just tough. It's it's not looking great for the program right now, and they've really got to figure something out here. Yeah, I'm with you. Anything else you want to get off your chest? Oh, man. Just after the game last week against Ohio State, I really thought that maybe they were ready to prepare to take a step up. Like, I was very comfortable with them covering that eight that 18-and-a-half-point spread that it was when it opened. Like, and most people did. Like I would, I highly doubt that there were a whole lot of people that took Marshall outright in this game. Let alone took him to come. Yeah, they've got to get their shit figured out. And I know Marcus Freeman is a new head coach. This is part of the growing pains that we, as Notre Dame fans, should have expected when we signed up for this. But Marsh, it's it's Marshall, man. Yeah, hurts. Uh, I- but enough about me. We're gonna go to you and go to your alma mater who. Got a big win this week. Man, and I, I wasn't able to see the end of it. I had to go to a uh, an arrangement tonight, and, man, I, I had to listen to the end of it in the car, which really sucked. But, I mean, I'm fucking thrilled. I am thrilled. Like, and, I mean, obviously Nebraska is dog shit, but, I mean, we were 24-point dogs. Like, yeah. you don't – you shouldn't – we shouldn't have been in that game at all. And I mean, I, I can we put up with that. <laughs> we put up 642 fucking yards on them. Yeah, the offense was not an issue for Georgia Southern at all, and Nebraska's defense looked just terrible. And and once again, just like uh, the Texas game, they just left too much time on the clock. And I, mm-hmm. I, I'll, I'll I'll say it the the Georgia Southern defense didn't look good. They gave up 570 yards, but at the same oh, time, you're playing a Power Five team, like you know you. It's not necessarily expected to give up 500 yards, but it's a little more understandable when you're playing a team that is in the Power Five and theoretically contending for division titles and shit like that. Like that's a little understandable. Yeah, but I'm thrilled. Kyle Van Trees looks really good. Seems like Clay Helton has a good game plan. As crazy as that sounds, and uh, I'm on to the next one, man. It's big week for the Sun Belt. Big big week. Fun Belt. Fun Belt put some work in this week. Uh, they between Marshall, Georgia Southern, and then we got one more uh, Sunbelt team to talk about here later on. They they pulled off some really impressive upsets this week. So it's it's a good time to be in the fun belt. Yeah, and I, I'm all for it, man. I think after the Power 5, there it's it's probably the next best conference. I mean, yeah, it's probably either them or the American, like depending on the year. Well, yeah, no, I mean the Americans probably about to disband. So yeah. I, it's kind of you They're saw with Mar- best teams. You, you saw it with Marshall coming over. I'm sure Sunbelts, they're at 18 teams right now. I'm sure they're going to add a couple more of those just to pick them up. Yeah, for sure. They And they should. Uh, but, yeah, big win for Georgia Southern there. Uh, Scott Frost is probably done. Uh, he may not get fired tomorrow. He may still make it into the Indiana game, but he's fired. He's gone. Like I'm just I'm just gonna go ahead and call yeah. that. Do you think they're gonna wait for the buyout? I think this is big enough that he, like come Monday he might just be out of town. Maybe I I don't know. I feel like I I would have kiffed his ass. I would have left him on the tarmac. <laughs> or, I mean I know they're at home, but I, I wouldn't have let him get on the bus. Fly him somewhere and then leave him on the tarmac to come back. Back to Orlando and then <laughs> you know you, you make him go sit on it's a small world for like three hours in a row and then you don't let him back on. Exactly. Yeah. I still think they are going to let, wait until the buyout because you just don't want to get into the habit of paying a whole lot of buyout money for coaches. Like you don't want to end up like Auburn with their buyouts or, you know, you don't want to end up like Notre Dame and Kansas when they were still paying Charlie Weiss up until just a few years ago. Like you, you can't put yourself in those situations because it does set your program back. Yeah. I mean, and I talk, talking about Auburn, they struggled tonight too against San Jose state. I mean, yeah. Like, 
every everything is a shit show right now. Yeah, we too had some real fucky shit happening this week. So, um, yeah, we got a few more here. Uh, Tennessee beat Pittsburgh. So our number 20th ranked Tennessee Volunteers beat the number 23 ranked Pitt Panthers in overtime, 34-27. Some of our Penn State uh, contributors are not upset about it at all. But it was a good game. Honestly, like that one, that's the one that I kind of watch the most for the late afternoon slot. And both offenses look good. Hendon Hooker looked really good for Tennessee, uh, especially dealing with that Pittsburgh pass rush. And then, you know, Slovis looked good up until his injury. And uh, he got hit in the head early. You know, it was, I don't think it was like a pet, like a penalty hit or anything like that, but he, he was out of the game. Um, According to Narduzzi, he, he feels fine. So we're going to see what that looks like going forward. But I had the over on that one, and all I needed was one touchdown from Pitt to to hit that over, and I would have been gravy. But, um, yeah, t- Tennessee able to, to eke it out on the road. Uh, showed a, That was a great win. That was a good win by the balls. Yeah, and, I mean, uh, like you said, that's a bad beat on the over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was it? Was it 55? 65, 65 and a oh, half. 65, and then they got 61. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah, like you said, Hennon Hooker, I mean, he throws a damn good deep ball from everything I saw today. And that offense with Hypo runs, I mean, they're just so fast. Yeah, they like, got some really good weapons out there too. <clears throat> but this this was a game, this was a home and home. And last year, uh, if Hooker was starting, I mean, they might have won, but it was still old Joe Milton playing at that point in time. Yeah. And Hook, Hooker seems like the dude now. Yeah, and he came back for his sixth year. I, I don't know if he would have gotten drafted. I doubt it. He's look, He's starting to look like he might be able to be like a late dra- late round draft pick. Yeah, a lot of it's going to depend on this offense and see if he actually you know takes some steps with some of the things that he needed to work on from last season. And you know, so far the numbers are indicating that he is. Yeah, but I mean, all in all, Tennessee's pass defense. A lot of holes there. Yeah. Like, they really got to figure that out and figure it out quick before they get into conference play. Oh, yeah. Especially going up against, you know, Georgia. Like, they may be able to put some point, more points up on Georgia than a lot of teams will, but they're sure shit going to get thrown on. Yeah. In our SEC East preview, I put them at 10 wins, and I, I'm still riding with that. But I can I, see it. Yeah. Like, I don't think they'll beat Georgia or Bama, regardless of how Bama looked today. Yeah. And this is tough, too, because, I mean, with this many teams looking bad and, you know, a few emotional games in week one, like, maybe it's just a come down, maybe it's just a weird come down week. I don't know. But I'm, I'm hoping not. I hope, I hope we get this every weekend. Like, and uh, we for, just, some, for some other teams, maybe. I hope it doesn't happen in their day every week. Since since we're friends, I hope it does not happen to you. I appreciate week. it. Yeah, we don't, we're not playing Michigan State for a while yet. Not until uh, not until conference play kicks in, right? <laughs> no, I, we, we've we've got it scheduled. It's like 2026, but so four years out. Yeah, we got some time. We might be in a conference before then, so who knows? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but taking a look at some of the other games, uh, Texas Tech did beat Houston at home, 33 to 30. That was one where I actually had predicted Houston to go in and win there. So, and obviously they got close. So, good game for them, and that's probably going to knock Houston out of the top 25 for us. Mm-hmm. But. Um, you know, I still think they're going to be like get. They'll probably get a couple votes here and there. Yeah, they still looked all right. Um, Clayton Tune didn't look great. I, I will say that, and he's kind of the uh, the bloodline of that whole entire team. Yeah. But I, I know we said Tyler Shucks out, and Donovan Smith looked more than serviceable. He looked yeah, good. He did. Um, I think it's pretty safe to say that we can discount the G five from getting a playoff spot this year now with uh, with Houston out. I'm not. I don't think there's really going to be another team that's going to be good enough on paper or with a record to threaten for a playoff spot at this point. We got a game going on right now. Like I think I think Fresno could still have a chance to get top ten, but I don't know about making it in. Yeah, I think Fresno is going to end up being good, and depending on whether or not you count BYU as a you know G five team since they are independent. Uh, they are probably going to be the threat for a playoff spot out of any of those teams. But um, yeah, we're just going to have to see what happens with this Baylor game. If they can keep, if they can push past it and get a W here, then their chances look a lot better. Yeah. And that game's both those games are still really close. Yeah. Um, Baylor BYU is still tied. Yeah. So 
got some fun some fun games here to finish off the night with, but uh, let's keep it rolling here. Uh, number fourteen Stanford or number fourteen USC beat Stanford in Palo Alto, forty one to twenty eight. Relatively close, all things considered. I mean, the spread was nine and four four point difference. There isn't too far off. I don't think. Definitely not a Rice situation from last week, or it was sixty six to fourteen. So, yeah, it's. I hate to say, but I, I I keep on having USC moving up. Yeah, it, it looks like Caleb Williams and Jordan Addison have really started to just develop that rapport. And Travis Dye, the transfer coming in. I mean, like all three of them had amazing, an amazing day. Yeah, that that offense is definitely shaping up to be really good. Uh, I've still got my questions about the defense and the trenches for both of them. Just they still haven't really played it. Stanford's not that good. Like they their offense did a little more than I maybe have it would have expected them to do, but it's still not that good of a ball team. So we, I do want to see them actually play, play a good, good team before I can say, yeah, USC's back. And we're, we're talking about, I think they have Fresno next week. So Fresno yeah, that next week. And I think they have, I want to say they have Oregon coming up, but I can't remember off the top of my head, but yeah, we'll, we'll find out a lot about them really soon. Yeah, I agree. But in the meantime, they're definitely on the rise, and I, I agree they're probably going to end up moving up in our poll as well. So yep. next up, we've got number nine, Oklahoma State, beating Arizona State 34-17. to um, They're also going to be moving up probably. They looked good against a an Arizona State team that still, I don't know, still seems like they're trying to figure out what they want to do there. Herm Edwards just doesn't seem like the guy. Um, yeah, I, I think he's out of town. Uh Zazavian Valde had a good game, but this was this is one of those days where Spencer Sanders looked like the bad Spencer Sanders. Yeah, and Streaky. it's hard to say that it's hard to say that when they scored thirty four, but you can still did, say he, it. Yeah, and we'll, we'll get to him in a second. But the uh, the Emory Jones parallel it, it ended up being pretty close to Will Levis. Yeah, so yeah. He, he finally got a test, and he didn't look that good. Didn't necessarily pass it, although neither quarterback really impressed in that matchup. So before we get to that game, though, we've got the last of the fun belt matchups. Appalachian State, the giant killers, have done it again. They went down to, to Corpus Christi and – College Station. Or, yeah, College Station. My bad. It's late. Yeah, it, 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 it's one thirty in the morning. It's one thirty in the morning. I know. <sighs> yeah, they went down to College Station, and they beat our number four ranked Texas A&M Aggies 17-14. to And they did it with a set game plan, very similar to what Notre Dame wanted to do to Ohio State last week, which was control the ball and control the clock. Yeah, and it didn't help that A&M had four turnovers. Like, Case King did not look good. No, I, I mean, and I think that's being nice. Yeah, they had quarterback questions going into this season, and they have done nothing to answer them. Like Max Johnson is sitting there. Like you have to wonder when, when they're going to make that switch because it feels more like a when than an if at this point. Yeah, and I'm I'm a little disappointed in how uh, Devin A. Chains looked as well. Like mm-hmm. he hasn't really gotten it going. No, but um, as as much as I hate it, like because I don't like App State, they're Georgia Southern's main rival. Uh, yeah, I, I really liked Clark, the Appalachian State coach, and his his post game presser was awesome. Like he seems like a great dude, and he's an alum, and he wants to stay there. But he's bought in. Yeah, we saw, we saw that with Drinkwitz and Satterfield too. I mean, he he'll jump if he gets a good offer. Yeah, which you know, don't blame him. Get your money. Um. But, yeah, no, the, in terms of controlling the ball and controlling the clock, they finished with over 40 minutes of possession time this week compared to A&M getting obviously less than 20 then. When you over-double a team's possession time, you should win that ball game. Yeah, and I know one of our uh, contributors, EOS, was at the game and re- really feeling for a lot of the guys this weekend. <laughs> Yeah, the uh, tailgates and turnovers crew did not have a great week. Some some of us had better than others, but I mean that's just going to be really deflating too. And when, when a team is coming in there and just controlling the clock like that, never giving your offense a chance to cook or anything like that, like like you said, obviously the turnovers didn't help. But man, that has just got that has to take a lot of the energy out of that stadium. I mean, props up to the defense for holding them to seventeen points when they had that the ball that often. 
Yeah, that too. I mean, a and defense might still be the real deal. Um, that offense, though, man, they got to they got to figure some shit out too. Yeah, um, that's that's all I got to say about it. I mean, good good weekend for the Sun Belt. Yep, good for them. I did see that. Um, I think in the, the for the first time in the AP era, Notre Dame, Nebraska, and A and M all lost on the same day, and they were all to Sun Belt teams. Yeah, so, his, Wait. historic day. It was it was like that the first time or no no it's the first oh, okay. time ever that they have all lost on the same day, and they just happen to all be the Sun Belt team. Yeah, that A and M they've had those big ass recruiting classes, and I mean, hopefully, got to develop year, them. Yeah, next year or the year after that, they can compete for a title. Yeah, one would think though. I mean, the talent is there. Like you just have to be able to put it together. Um, exactly. But in the meantime, a rough loss there for an Appalachian State team, though. So they've had two weeks in a row where they've taken it to teams that should technically be better than them on paper. So this might be a fun team to watch this year. Yeah, absolutely. Then we got our uh, our SEC matchup here. We've got Kentucky going down to the Swamp and winning by 10 against the Florida Gators, who jumped up to number 12 on the AP poll. With luck, I mean, we only ranked them number 22 just because we didn't want to overreact too much to that win over Utah, and feeling pretty good about that decision today. I'm I'm feeling very good about that decision. Anthony Richardson was awful. He did not look good. Awful, and I, I mean, it, they, was, I'm not saying I'm not saying Kentucky looked good either. This was an ugly game. Neither quarterback looked good. Yeah, well, like we said with Will Levis and the Emory Jones parallel, I mean, they are the same person, but for yeah. some reason, people think Will Levis is, you know, I, I saw the draft board. They still have him ranked fourth quarterback overall. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see what these quarterbacks actually look like as the season goes on. But, you know, to to, Will, to Levis's credit, he threw over 50% completion, which Anthony Richardson did not do. He wasn't even close. No, and um, Billy Napier, we like him, but – it was the fourth quarter, and he went for it on his own twenty-yard line with like four and a half minutes left, yeah, with got- with timeouts on the board, and then Kentucky got a field goal, and that's the game. Yeah, I mean, you got to trust your defense a little bit more on that one. I mean, you had been doing a relatively good job of holding them up to that point, and giving Kentucky a short field was just going to put the game out of reach for you. I get that it's late in the game, but with your timeouts left, you just have to kind of make that decision to trust your defense there and play the field position game a little bit. Yeah, I I, I did not understand that call. It, it literally took them out of it completely. Yeah, especially since they didn't get it, and it just gave Kentucky a short field to to kill it, basically. Like we're saying, Anthony Richardson threw the ball on the ground. I mean, yeah. it, it wasn't even close no. to being in the receiver's hands. And you had drop picks on both sides of the ball. Um, it, like you said, ugly, ugly game. Which you know, I don't think either of us. I don't think anybody was expecting it to necessarily light up the scoreboard because we are still dealing with SEC defenses. But I don't think anybody expected it to get that down in the mud. Yeah, and it's just showing me still. I'm not exactly sure who's going to be the second best team in the East. It's it's going to be Kentucky or Tennessee at this. I think point. it might be Tennessee. I I agree. That's the way I put it at the beginning of the year. But I mean, Kentucky's just squeaky. Yeah, I mean, in Kentucky, you got to have to give them credit for what Stoops has built up. Obviously, this is Heupel's third year, I want to say, second or third year. And he has, he's got a little more prove it that he has to do before you. We can just slot them in as the second best team in the East. But the way this year's starting off so far, they're looking like it. This is, this is his second year. So okay. he turned them around from, like, I think two wins to seven last year yeah. right away. And so. I think that I, I agree with you. I think they can hit 10 wins this year. Yeah, I think it was at seven and a half, and I think they get at least nine. Yeah. Shows you just how ugly this game was, though, because we still would rather just talk about Tennessee than either of these teams. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think people just bought into Ford and Anthony Richardson way too early. Yeah. Which he had a he had a great game last week. He really did. Like not to take away from what he did last week against Utah, but you gotta you gotta prove that you can do it more than once. And they still have yet to do that at this point. So I think Florida's probably going to drop out of our top 25 with that loss. Yeah. And I, it might have just been a fluke. I mean, Utah played Southern Utah this week and uh, waxed them, throttled them. 
but it's southern utah so yeah it was like 77 to 3 or some shit like that like oh my god yeah that that was a that was a hate fuck game right there that was just revenge like just had to get that out of their system exactly yep but moving on we got two more games here uh washington state went to camp randall and beat number 24 ranked wisconsin 17 to 14 and I'm going to do a little bit of a uh, victory lap here because for our top 25 discussions that we had had uh, in the background, I'd been pounding the table that Wisconsin was overrated and that Washington state had a decent chance of coming in here and making this a game. And they ended up just winning outright. Like Wisconsin's offense is just not good. Yeah. And uh, like we said, I mean, they'll throw, you know, two extra tight ends in there, uh, three extra tight ends. And uh, Graham Mertz looked okay. I, he I did. He looked, he looked okay, but their defense still held up pretty well. I mean – I mean, you only I gave know, up 17 points. It's not like they had a, a bad game by any means. We're we're a pro Minnesota Big Ten West at this point. Yep. Uh, I don't think there's anybody else that we're riding besides Minnesota. It's sure as shit nobody else in the Big Ten West that I can think of. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Washington State, Camp, Cameron Ward came in. He, you know, got it done, although most – probably give most of the credit to Washington State to an actual uh, a former Badger running back who got a lot of yards there for him. And, I, like, I don't know what you're supposed to do, really. Like, you're Wisconsin, you have to be able to put up points. Your defense – is eventually going to run into a team like a Washington State who is known for having a prolific offense. Like, you've got to be able to score points. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, Braylon Allen is doing every, everything he can. It's, he can only do so much. He's a running back. Like, at the end of the day, college football is – and football in general has turned into a passing sport. I, I've heard this before. Like, what's the ceiling for Paul Christ? Is it, like, eight wins every year? I'd say his ceiling is, like, ten. Yeah, I just I, the the game just, plan that they come up with, and it's just run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. I, which in the Big Ten West, though, that's enough to get you ten win. Like you, if you can do it effectively, like you, your ceiling can be like ten wins and going to Bloomington to play. Like we've seen it before; they've gone in as like a top ten team, played Ohio State in the Big Ten championship, but then they get the shit pushed in because Ohio State knows that you have to actually be able to throw the ball as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's just. Like their biggest, their biggest competition typically year in year out in the Big Ten West is fucking Iowa, which we're going to talk about here now. But let's just let's just get into it. Yeah, <laughs> basically the same thing. Like Iowa, El Asico lived up to its name. This was literally the easiest under in the in college football. Like I will I will never feel as confident about an under as I did about that forty and a half point under for this game. Iowa State beat Iowa ten to seven. So Iowa averaging a solid seven points a game, uh, three and a half games points a game on offense. That's just fucking bad, man. <laughs> if he doesn't fire his fucking son, he's a fraud. He, I don't know if he's going to. Like, there's got to be something that changes. Obviously, Petrus isn't the guy, but it's not his. Like, I can't necessarily blame him because he hasn't been developed. Like, he is not being coached well, and this team is just not going. I don't know what this team's ceiling is. I mean, if they can only score seven points, like, it's pretty low. How many games are they going to win? Like, I Aiden O'Connell didn't necessarily look great against Penn State, but I feel like he can go in and beat Iowa. Yeah, I feel like he can score, like, 17 points and win at least. And that's all you need to score to beat Iowa. Like, you, if you score double-digit points, your chances of winning – are, well, as of this season, they're 100% if you can just score double-digit points. Because Iowa State, they're the only one that has scored double-digit points, and they ended up winning 10-7. to 7. Like, Iowa State did not necessarily look good either, which is might just be more a testament to Iowa's defense. But that offense is just so bad that it just takes away any advantage that you have by having a good defense. Yeah, I, I don't want to talk about this. I don't either, <laughs> but we have to because – El Asico's a thing, and it was peak El Asico. So, yeah, I mean, we had a lot of games that shifted the narratives on some teams. Um, you know, most notably Alabama, A&M, and Notre Dame. Like, 
Alabama escaped with a win, so they have a little more wiggle room there. But those 15 penalties committed by Alabama players, Saban is going to absolutely lean into them, as he should. But for A&M and Notre Dame, like you're losing to G5 schools in week two, Notre Dame for the home opener for Marcus Freeman's first home game, like some shit's got to get figured out quick. Because that, sh- that just flat out should not happen. Yeah. Uh, are, are we going to do buy and sell? I'm selling. As of right now, I'm selling all my Notre Dame stock. That's for damn sure. And I hate to say that as a fan. Ugh, that's brutal. I guess <sighs> I, I, I'll i do it. I, I'm buying the Sun Belt. <laughs> yeah. You sh- as, you, as you should. Fun Belt's looking good. I actually... I hate to do this as well, but I, I'm buying a little bit of USC stock. I I agree. I'm buying USC stock, and I don't I don't know about the defense in the trenches like we always talk about. But if the offense can score 45, 50 points a game, they're gonna win a lot. Yeah, they're gonna score a lot of points. It's just a matter of you know whether they can stop the other a good offense from putting points up as well. Um, I'm also probably buying some Tennessee stock. They proved it with a team that I had, I personally had very highly rated going into the season uh, in the Pitt Panthers and Tennessee's offense has looked good. And I, I think it's a good time to buy some stock in them knowing that there's only so high that stock can go this season. Yeah. Uh, I'm buying Tennessee stock as well. And then I'm, I, I didn't buy any Florida stock, but I'm, I'm selling Florida and I'm selling Kentucky still. Yeah, Definitely. Selling Kentucky, although they, you know they obviously did get the road win there in the swamp, not an easy place to get a win. But uh, I'm actually also going to buy a little Texas stock. I, I was going to say I'm buying Texas stock. That defense looked the secondary, especially looked way better than I thought it was going to. And if Ewers is healthy again, like that team is going to that team is going to win some ball games. And I will gladly eat crow about that if it means Texas is like semi, you know, the B word. Yeah, not going to say it, not going to jinx it. I'm not going to say that they are, but they're looking like they're trending that way at least. And honestly, I didn't even think about this until just now, but if Ewers ends up playing his ass off, like what is going to happen when Arch Manning comes in? I've it's that's been a debate for a while. And I mean if Ewers is going to be there for two years, I I don't think the Arch Manning recruitment is done. I think he's going to end up at Georgia. You still think he's going to end up with the Dogs, huh? Yeah, and I think they have the money to do it. So, and he's does, really he's really liked his visits that he's taken there. Does art, but the money thing, like the one recruit who does not need to be swayed by money is Arch Manning. Like he's gonna wow. make he's gonna make so much money in NIL deals wherever he could go to fucking UMass and get a fucking Dunkin' Donuts NIL deal and still be rich as shit. Like, have you have you heard the Ole Miss? theory on him with Peyton uh with Peyton no so Peyton is still like so sour about how Lane Kiffin just up and left Tennessee that <laughs> and, and I mean obviously Eli went to Ole Miss yeah um and he literally is paying Arch to not go to Ole Miss yeah I've I've heard that Arch is in the vein of wanting to chart his own path which is why Tennessee and Ole Miss were never like seriously in it and i think part of the pitch for sark on top of just touting the quarterbacks that he's coached that have ended up going to the nfl regardless of how they looked once they got there uh, but i think part of that pitch was hey come be the dude that brings texas back like you know if he goes to alabama or if he goes to georgia like he's gonna be really good he's still gonna go to the nfl but he's just gonna be he's going to be another cog in the Saban and Kirby smart machine, you know? Yeah. But if you are that dude at tech, I mean, like there's a few schools where if you're the starting quarterback and you bring them back to being like national contenders, then you are just the man. Like Texas is one of those schools. USC is one of those schools. Notre Dame and Michigan are two more of those schools. And there's probably a couple other ones that I'm just not thinking of off the top of my head, but if you can convince a dude to be the guy at that school, then you, that means more potentially than just being, you know, the next great Alabama QB. Yeah. And it's really gotten old how Alabama just always has like the best quarterback. 
Just stacks them all. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, we talked about this way early, like probably either our first or second episode, but I think NIL is going to help out a lot with that. Like everybody hates the idea of just blank giving these recruits a lot of money. And like, to an extent, I get that. But at the same time, like if you want these recruits to not go to Alabama or Georgia or Ohio state, like Tennessee got a five-star quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, some of these guys are, are going to other schools. Yeah. And I wonder if Anthony Richardson and uh, his NIL deal went down after today because it, it shot up. I saw the uh, the on three estimate for it last week after the win. It went from like 500 to like 1.2 million Jeez. <laughs> just after one game. It makes the NIL era is just nuts. Yeah, I'm here for it. I mean, it, Yeah, I am, too. It's going to be interesting to see what, if anything, the NCAA can do to rein it in um, because if they find something they can do, they're definitely going to do it. But in the meantime, I hope these kids just go make a shitload of money that the NCAA doesn't get to touch. Um, just a, a live reaction. The BYU just drove down to the 20 yard line with 20 seconds left in their tide. So it looks like they're probably going to kick a field goal and win. The Coog podcast gets another one. Yeah. That's, that's big for us. We need a win today. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll take a I'll take a uh, vicarious win through BYU. Yeah. All right. So sorry. Are, are you buying anything else? I'm gonna keep buying BYU stock. <laughs> yeah, I'm with that. I, I'm buying some more NC State stock. I know we. Yeah. I know a lot of people were selling it, but they their defense is legit, and it looks like Devin Weary is gonna turn it around. Yeah, I would agree with that. I'm buying App State too. Yeah. I, I mean they they should have beat UNC. They should have. It, it looks like they'll probably. Uh, Sunbelt's tough. I mean, you got Coastal, you got Southern, you got Louisiana. Like, all those teams can beat each other any day of the week. And South Alabama. Like, anything can happen. Yeah. And Marshall. Yeah. And Marshall. Sorry. <laughs> Didn't want to leave them out. Probably the best one of the Sunbelt, you know. <laughs> I, I think you're getting ahead of yourself. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's just coping. But uh, but yeah, no, uh, I I think I'm I'm selling Wisconsin. I know. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm selling the entire Big Ten West. Oh, uh, big although Big Ten West, except for Minnesota, I'm selling the shit out of that. Yeah, and I think by the end of the year we'll have maybe not a piece of Apple, but maybe some Costco with them. Yeah, I think we could. I think we could manage to get some Costco out of that. But you got any other uh, any narratives coming out of this this week that? are interesting to you or anything. Obviously this is an early reaction. Don't necessarily have time to get all of our thoughts together, but. Uh, Pac-12. I, I don't know what's going on there. It, all these teams just, it's, I know we've talked about it and that was kind of a narrative from last week. It just seems up for grabs mm-hmm. and the same with the big 12 looking like Baylor's probably going to lose and Oklahoma state looks all right. Kansas state looks good. Texas looks good. Oklahoma looks really good. Texas tech won again today. Like it could be any of those guys. Big and, Twelve might be the most even conference. Yeah, and uh, my other narrative is is DJU better than we thought because he actually looked pretty good today. Yeah, he he definitely stepped it up this week. So we're gonna I, it's gonna be interesting to see if those were just week one jitters or if uh, you know maybe they got it figured out finally. And it's another narrative is like can Alabama go undefeated, especially after today. I just hate the idea of writing Alabama off as losing a game because you're still looking at their schedule. Cause like the team that everybody thought would beat them just lost a fucking Appalachian state today. I, I know. And I, it's so hard to see it, but there's some other opportunities. I mean, obviously we've talked about Tennessee. Yeah. They'll be able to put up points and Ole Miss will obviously be able to hopefully put up some points. I, I sold them last week. Yeah. So it definitely things to keep an eye on, but you know it's almost two a.m. now. So I think I think we uh, think we got enough of our reaction out of this week going. Yeah, and uh, I hope everyone enjoys some NFL football today. Yep, because this was nuts. And just a heads up, Le'Veon Bell just knocked out Adrian Peterson in their fight. Glad glad to hear that. Knocked him out cold. Good. Yeah. Um, BYU is lining up for the kick right now. Uh, I'm just going to keep rambling so we get this on here. No, please. 
Please let and me know. he's lined up and he fucking whiffed it. Oh so, my god. Yeah, I'm not staying up for overtime. Uh, I'm not either. I mean I'm going to, but I'm not gonna keep us on here. Yeah, so we're not gonna it. stay on here for overtime at least. We'll uh, we'll send a tweet out when we <laughs> with our reaction to the to the overtime here. But uh in the meantime, I've been Tyler and this has been Bennett with me. Um, feel free to check out our Twitter t- at TNTCFBpod. Uh, we got a Discord invite. Feel free to join our pick and pool. All that good stuff. Enjoy your NFL Sunday. And please don't tweet your recruits. Nope. Later, guys. Have a good night.